Thank you, worship team, for a powerful time of worship this morning. And it's not done. We will continue in that in a few moments. Um, today I stand before you bringing to you the close, uh, the closing message in our series uh, called Doomed to Repeat. And um, I'm excited to bring this message to you today. And we plan to close out our time today with communion. So I look forward to sharing that with you in a few minutes. Again, if you are interested, translation is available. Princess is translating what I say, so I will try to speak a little more slowly on her behalf. And I am very, very thankful that she has agreed to do that for us. As we close out our series today, I'd like you to keep this thought in your minds as we work through our text today, which if you'd like to turn there even now, will be coming Exodus chapter 13, and will be verses 17 through 22. You can find it in the YouVersion Bible app. If you have an app, you can also find it in a regular old Bible. It it still exists. So you can look at it either place you want. But remember this thought as we get going today. The journey is as important as the destination. And you can trust God with both. Some of you know I recently took a trip down to Kentucky with our Bible quizzers. doesn't matter that it was that trip. It could have been any trip. Some of you know what it's like to be on a long trip Um, and encounter the inevitable orange cones. Anybody know what those are, right? The orange cones that come out miles and miles and miles ahead of wherever you, wherever the problem is, right? How, has anybody ever been tempted to drive around the cone and not get stuck in the long line of traffic? Am I the only one? Like, because for miles and miles, there's an open lane, right? It's, it, it's, Right there, it's just for the taking, right? And I have to confess, there's maybe one or two times that, you know, I've been that person in, well, it was maybe 590 a couple of days ago when there was backed up traffic, and I knew my exit was right there, and there's not a lane over here, but it looked like my car could fit, right? So I might be that person. And I'm also that person that does occasionally sit in the traffic and watch those people go by and get really mad at them too. So I confess both things to you. But the idea of a detour, right? We don't know all the time why there is an open lane for miles and miles and miles until you actually get up to kind of the bridge that's been torn apart, right? You get to a place where you finally recognize. You can't see it when you're back miles and miles, but the orange cones signal something. They let us know that something is coming. They let us know that there is a detour up ahead. And my question this morning for you is, have you ever faced a detour in your life? Maybe somebody wanted to go to college or to graduate school and it just didn't quite work out that way or... Maybe some of you had a dream for your family and that didn't materialize the way you thought it would. 
Maybe some of you had a career goal. It didn't quite go the way that you thought it should. And maybe health got in the way. Maybe a family situation or a relationship at work that just didn't quite work out the way you had hoped it would. Have you ever made plans only to find that your plans change on account of something that you didn't plan for? And is it possible that God was actually a part of those change of plans? Sometimes those change of plans are are like little things, right? Oh, I thought I was going to go work at my office today, but somebody's sick at home and i got to stay home today. That's a little minor change in my plan. I can deal with that, right? Or maybe I'm not feeling so well, so I have to cancel that appointment. I can deal with that. We adjust. I might be a little irritated, but so be it. Or maybe, maybe those changes in our lives are a little bit bigger. Like if I could tell you about my personal career plans. They centered on developing social policy and working in the human services parachurch world on the south side of Chicago. I didn't account for the toll it would take on my life and on my family and the need to make a change. And God graciously provided me a a lane shift at one point and I recognize now that that lane shift avoided that broken bridge in my life up ahead. I didn't see it at the time, and honestly, I didn't see it for years afterwards. And there was a long time in my life where I was kind of angry and a little bit bitter and maybe just sad because what I thought wasn't really going to happen the way I thought it was. It was a detour. A detour in my life but clearly one for the better. Though for years and years, I just totally didn't get it. Detours happen. Detours happen in our lives. We have to be aware of where God is in the middle of all of them. Today we're going to read a little bit about in... Exodus, how God put some orange cones up in the lives of the Israelites as they were coming out of of Egypt in what the story we know as Exodus. So contextually, let me just tell you, we pick up in chapter 13 after the Passover. And for those of you that aren't familiar with what the Passover was, it was the final plague where God had told Moses that he was going to kill all the firstborn in Egypt. But he said, I want you and your people to go into the house. I want you to put some blood of a, of a, of a lamb on the doorposts. And when that death angel passes through, they're going to pass over those houses that have the blood on the doorposts. And you will be spared. But everybody else, the firstborn, will be killed. And of course, long story short, Pharaoh loses. Pharaoh, the Pharaoh of Egypt loses his firstborn son and He is so torn up and it's the final straw for him and he finally tells Moses and the people, just go. Go do what you said you need to do. Just get out of Egypt. Go. And here we are. They've they've left. 
or they're on their way out. And that's where we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 13. Let me just read for you here real briefly. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt, ready for battle. Now, in case you don't know me, I am probably what you might consider a type A personality. I like to know what's going on. I like to probably, maybe more than I should, be in control of some things. And I kind of think I know how things should go. So, can you raise your hand if I, I want to know I have somebody out there that's like me. Anybody like, okay, thank you. I'm not alone today. All right, so just imagine Moses telling the people, it's time to go, let's go. And if I'm Moses, I'm, or if I'm somebody in the, in the party that's following him, I'm like, all right, I know the road to get back to the promised land. And that road uh, kind of goes along the Mediterranean Sea. It's a pretty direct route. But God says, no, we're going to go a different way. And Moses, and I'm probably like standing back there saying, why? What are we doing? Like, it, the shortest route is to go this way. Why are we going that way? Of course, God's path was longer. That's what Exodus 13, 17, and 18 tell us about. And they, they had to trust him. Let me just put this in your minds. This is a little hard to see, but let me just work with you here for a minute. All right? So, Mediterranean Sea up here. All right? People are over here. This is Egypt. This probably is the area where modern Cairo would be. The land of Goshen is kind of in this area here. All the way over here is Jerusalem. As the crow flies from here to there, about 250 miles, 265 miles, roughly, okay? So, the shortest route, and there is a road. It was a trade route, a military route. It would go right through there. That's the shortest route. Now, we don't have, like, scholars do disagree on the path that that the Israelites took coming out of Egypt, but this is one of the paths, and it's probably one of the closest ones we can figure out. God says, we're not going that way. He says, I want you to go this way, okay? And down here, kind of in the base or the tip of the Sinai Peninsula, this is where Mount Sinai is basically projected to be, a lot of people think. Um, And that's where they received the Ten Commandments. So God says, we're not going this way. 250 miles would have been straight. We're going from here to here is another 250 miles. That's about... so. I want you to put this in your context. So imagine if I said, hey, let's take a trip to Pittsburgh. All right? Anybody like Pittsburgh? Let's go to Pittsburgh. Any Steelers fans? Boo. But anyway, all right. So anyway, we're going to go to Pittsburgh. All right? But in order to go to Pittsburgh, I want you to go to Philadelphia first. That's literally about what we're talking about. From here to Philly is about 250 miles. From Philly to Pittsburgh is another 250 miles. That's what God told the Israelites to do. How many think that's a wise way to go to Pittsburgh? Would anybody be sitting there questioning why on earth are we doing this? Okay, I will be. And those of you that raise your hands would be with me. I get that, all right? Thank you. But some of you are just willing to go along for the ride, and that's great. We love you. We love you. Just come along for the ride. That's fantastic. Others of you need to know why. And But God didn't necessarily tell them why. He just said, if you remember back in those verses, he says, um, through the Philistine country, 
Because if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. It's an interesting set of verses there because the reality is that God knew something that they didn't know. Geopolitically, what was going on in the time, in the time of the Exodus was that there was uh, a lot of wars going on and a lot of um, trying to overtake the territory that they were heading into, the Promised Land. It was, it was up for grabs in a lot of cases geopolitically. And uh, there were some people that lived on the island of Crete and they kind of were facing some war and they got pushed out of the island of Crete and they started to come over and migrate to uh, around the Mediterranean. And those people were known as the Philistines. And as the wars began, they were fighting the Egyptians for that territory. So God knows all of this is going on. God knows that if He sends His people up the shortest route, they're going to face some conflict. And if they face that conflict, they're going to shrink back. They're going to turn back. Because God knew that they weren't quite ready to trust Him all the way. God's path was longer. But they had to trust Him. There's an interesting quip. quip. Uh, Beth Moore says this, God is never late. He just misses a few good opportunities to be early. Right? Anybody relate to that? The reality is God knows. And this is the point that I want us to remember from these couple of verses. God accounts for human interaction. I think that's really profound for us. God knew, like, God wasn't forcing His people to follow Him. God wasn't forcing His people to trust Him. God knew that if they faced too much hardship right away, they would just turn right back around and God would have to start the whole process over again somehow, some other generation. Who knows what it would look like. God knew what was going on in the world geopolitically. God knew what was going on in the hearts of His people. Not only was the shortest route filled with potential for conflict, there were also Egyptian garrisons that kind of guarded that territory, and maybe those Egyptians wouldn't have gotten the word from Pharaoh, and who knows, the Egyptians might have tried to turn them back. God accounts for human interaction. Because God knows people. And God never seeks to overrun His people or their will. God wants to be in partnership with us. And He accounts for our reactions. He accounts for the ways that we interact with Him. He accounts for the world and the way it interacts with Him and with us as Christians. God knows the big picture. God knows and sees some things that you and I can't possibly begin to see. Important details in our lives are often beyond our reach. And that's just something that we have to accept. We don't always see the end from the beginning. And so many of us are focused on a destination. We've got to get there. I am king of that. When I'm on a trip, I don't really care much about the nine hours it takes to get there. I just want to get there. Just get me to the end. Because then I'll feel like I can kind of relax a little bit. But God cares about the journey. And He knows the end from the beginning. And He knows what we're going to face. And He asks us to trust Him along the way. I'm going to ask Grant to pull up a couple of slides for you. And I don't know if you're going to be able to see this, so I'm taking a risk here. But 
These are some slides that relate to colorblindness. Anybody know if they're colorblind? I didn't know I was a little bit colorblind until I started looking at some of these slides. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got some things to go check out. How many see a number in there? All right, what is it? Twelve. What is it? All right, so Grant, can you confirm that? Let's see. He's got some slides. Yeah, there's the number 12. All right, next one. What do you see? Yell it out. Oh, wait, I don't, hear, I don't hear unanimity. Huh. Wait a minute. We don't all see the same thing? Is that what you're telling me? What is it, Grant? What do we see? 73. Raise your hand if you saw 73. Some of you got some color blindness. That's all I got to say. Next one, Grant. What do you see? Eight. We all in agreement on eight. What is it, Grant? Eight. All right, good. Got one or two more? What's this one? Is that what we got? Sixteen? Good. I couldn't see that one. All right, next one. Oh, what's this one? It's a flower. It's not even a number. What is it, Grant? There actually is no number in there, so just just to be sure. Is that the last one, Grant? We got one? Yeah, that's the last one. What's the point of all of that? Sometimes we don't even realize that we can't see certain things. Sometimes we're even blind to our own blindness. Literally, I was looking at some of these this week and I was like, oh, I didn't even realize I can't see some of these numbers. That was eye-opening for me. Because I've never had glasses, I've never had, to, I've never had any issue with my eyesight until recently. I'm, I'm going to the eye doctor in a month, but anyway. The point is, right, the point is that sometimes we just don't see the whole picture. But God doesn't have that problem. God never ever has a problem seeing the end from the beginning. He never has a problem understanding every single circumstance and he doesn't have a problem helping us find our way through it. But we have to find the ability in ourselves to surrender and allow ourselves to trust him. So don't only rely on what you think you know. The shortest distance from point A to point B but also trust that there might be some things that you didn't see in the process. And when you're in relationship with God, we need to be working on trusting Him. Let's read this next verse really quickly, and I won't spend a lot of time on this. It's a little bit of a transitional verse in this passage. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Because Joseph had made the Israelites swear on oath, he had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. You can find that verse in Genesis chapter 50. And the interesting part of this particular verse is that it kind of provides a bookend to the whole story of the Exodus. The Exodus started in Genesis chapter 37, when Joseph was sold into slavery, into Egypt. And now this little verse that's thrown in the middle of chapter 13, God comes along and reminds us and says, the bones are going up and the story, it's over. The exodus is over. And I think the important part of this verse that I want you to remember as you think about this 
is that the whole story of the Exodus, the whole story of 430 years in Egypt was a big detour for the people of Israel. It was a huge detour. That's not what God had promised Abraham. Right? God had promised Abraham a land flowing with milk and honey and that He would make him a father of many nations. And God had promised Abraham and his descendants an awful lot of stuff and the whole Egypt thing. But the reality is without Egypt, we probably don't have Israel today. Who knows? Famine might have wiped them out. Wars might have wiped them out. Who knows but God. And so as we're talking about detours, let's not miss the big picture of the big detour that the Israelites had to take. Exodus 13, 20-22 then goes on and says, After leaving Sukkot, they camped at Etam on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. How many of you wish you had a few pillars of fire or cloud in your life? Wouldn't that be nice? Just those constant reminders, potentially reminders, or just like something lighting the way. Tell me which way I'll go, to go, God, and I'll go, right? Like, wouldn't that be kind of nice? The reality of our lives is that we're all searching for answers to something, right? We're all on different journeys. We're all on various stages in those journeys. And we've probably all experienced some kind of a detour in our life. Maybe right now we're at a crossroads in our lives. Maybe it's time for a transition in our life. We're waiting, maybe, for some kind of a clear or compelling answer. And frankly, we might even find ourselves in a state of discomfort. What comes next? I don't know. I didn't expect to be where I am, so God, I don't know where I'm going. Like, why? what's next? I don't know. My health? My health is failing me. I don't understand it. Why now? My mind's good, but my body's failing me. I don't understand, God. I need a new job. But which one? Where? Where do I go with this? Who should I date? Where should I go to school? What kind of car should I buy? Why are my family members struggling with their health, with their finances, their relationships? Why can't I get along with them? I never expected that. What other detours can you throw in my way, God? Because i got a lot of them going on right now. We all face different detours. We all had an idea, especially when we become Christians, of what the Christian life is supposed to look like. And sometimes it doesn't quite feel like we're getting where we thought we were supposed to be. Anne Graham Lotz, who is a daughter of Billy Graham, was often asked and often consulted uh, for how she would understand 
God's will. How do we understand God's will in our life? And she would tell this story. She would say, you know, if you want to understand God's will, let me relate it to you like an air traffic controller. She said, what air traffic controllers tell airplanes when they're landing a plane at an airport is, line up the lights. Line up the lights on the runway, and as long as they're vertical and straight in front of you, then you can land that plane and you know you're safe. She said, in our lives, spiritually speaking, there are similar kinds of things, our landing lights, things that we can trust in, things that we can rely on, so that we know that we're following the path that God would have for us. They're like those pillars of fire, the pillars of cloud. So what are they? They're called guideposts, I would say, in our lives. First one, I think, is called the confirmation of God's Word. We need to consult God's Word. We need to look into Scripture. God has given us the guidepost of Scripture to understand how He thinks, to understand His nature, to understand the way He relates to the world, the way He related to His people, now the way He relates to us. We need to understand and look into God's Word. But the next thing is we also need to interact with God's Word. And that is this inner conviction. There's this sense sometimes that I should go this way or that way. or and Sometimes I feel it in my gut. Sometimes I think it. Sometimes I just feel it. And I have to interact with the Scripture that I'm reading and allow God to move on me. But then I don't just settle there. I move into this idea of what are my circumstances? What's going on around me? What is happening in my life? that bears witness to what I'm reading and what I'm feeling. But even that, that's not enough. We don't stop there. We then seek out the counsel of mature and godly Christian friends and leaders. And these pillars, these landing lights, so to speak, become the guideposts for us in our life as we seek to find the destination that God has for each and every one of us. And we're all on that journey together. And so we do that corporately, we do that individually, but these become the landing lights, so to speak, in our own lives and in our journey. You know, the historic Christian church, all the way back to the early church, they used to rely very heavily. They came to a recognition, let me say it this way, they came to a recognition very early on that if we only ever read Scripture, we all potentially would come up with a different interpretation. And that is true. I could sit ten of you down in a room, I could have you read the same verse, and you would all see it ten different ways. And so they said, Scripture might not be enough for us. It's not to say Scripture is not enough. Of course, Scripture is enough. But let's also discern what God has been saying to our community. And what they relied on is what was passed down to them from the apostles. And then they call it the apostolic succession, right? So... What came down from those who walked with Jesus? How did they interpret and what did they pass on and what is the community collectively discerned? And they relied on the Scripture and the tradition and something they called the rule of faith. John Wesley, many centuries later, would kind of pick up on that theme and he would say, you know what, Scripture is first and foremost. We need to trust God and the revelation of Scripture but we also need to use the traditions of the church. We need to use our experiences, the things that we, we ourselves experience of those traditions, and then we need to apply our reason and our logic. 
And together, those become sort of the, the pillars by which we move forward in faith. Those are our pillars of cloud, our pillars of fire. Which is to say, God is still with us. God is still revealing His path for where we need to get to. And we can trust Him in the journey. As we wrap up this message and we wrap up this series, I want to kind of review just briefly a few things with you. God is with us. And He will continue to provide for us with reminders of His love and with His presence. It might not be quite so obvious as a burning pillar or a cloud, right? It might not jump out at you, but we don't ever have to trust that God is with us and He's guiding us. He promises to be with us always in His Word. He also says this, if you need wisdom, if you need to figure out some things and you're not quite sure, then pray about it. James 1.5 in the New Testament says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Turn to the Lord. Ask for wisdom. Be patient. Wait for an answer. One of the new disciplines that I am working into my life over the course of this year is the discipline of stillness and silence. For somebody who likes to figure things out, for somebody who likes to work out the plan and think ahead, it's really difficult to sit in silence and calm the noise in my head, which maybe in the past I used to think was God talking to me, and now I realize it's just me talking to myself. Truth. I have to be quiet, and I have to be patient, and I have to let God speak into my life. Which doesn't necessarily mean he's audibly speaking into my life. Sometimes it's just that calm presence. The stillness. The reality that no matter what's swirling up here, he's still holding me in the palm of his hand. And I got you and I'm with you and I love you. And, and then these scriptures begin to flow into my mind. I just want to leave you with this thought. Maybe some of you have been thinking this. We're not doomed to repeat. The Israelites had to go through some stuff to get to the promised land because they didn't trust in God. But we have their story as a guidepost, as a pillar of fire to remind us who God is in our own journeys of faith. And if we can learn from their story, if we can learn how to trust God despite what we think or despite how we feel, it's in those moments that we stay kind of on the the path that God has for us. I just want to remind us of a couple of key principles that we've learned throughout this series. Number one, and we've stressed it multiple times, God is faithful. God is faithful. He knows the end from the beginning. And if He makes some promises, He's going to keep them. And the things that He has told us and shown us throughout His Scriptures are trustworthy and true. God is faithful. The second one is related. He is trustworthy. 
We don't have to understand everything. But we do have to trust at all times and in all ways. Some of you are thinking Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 right now. Trust in the Lord in all your ways and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths. And the last principle I just want to draw out briefly is that He knows the big picture better than we do. Detours are going to exist in your life. Detours will happen. Obstacles will come. You don't have to pray all the time to avoid them. You have to pray for God to give you the grace to endure them. The perseverance to endure them. The opportunity to learn in the midst of what those detours are in your life. He will ultimately reveal in time, I believe... In most of our cases, he will reveal what the purpose of the detour was. But even if he doesn't, we trust him in the middle of it. And the goal, again, is that we don't have to repeat history. We don't have to be doomed to repeat. But here's the other and the final thought that I want to leave with you. Even if you have made some mistakes... And even if you haven't followed God's guideposts, and even if you've acted a little bit irrationally or done some things that you shouldn't do, even that word doomed is too tough. Because we've learned that God is gracious, abounding in love, and He wants to restore us. He wants to bring us back into that relationship with Him. So don't get stuck on the word doomed. You are not doomed to repeat because of the act of Jesus Christ in your life. Because of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. He knows you. He knows your propensity. He knows your weaknesses, your tendencies. He knows you. And He loves you. And He's drawing you back into relationship with Him all the time. He will not fight you for it. Because your will has to interact with Him. You're not a robot. You're a free agent. But man, when you just take one small step, He rushes in and He rushes to you and He restores you. And He holds you and He takes care of you. And He loves you unconditionally. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward and they're going to play for us just a a song to meditate and respond to. And it is a song of response as well as a song of preparation as we prepare to receive the Lord's table this morning, the elements on the Lord's table. As we prepare that, it is a place of thanksgiving, right? It's a place of joy. The table actually actually represents our version of the Passover because Jesus presented it at a Passover feast and He said, this is now what the Passover looks like. It's, it's me. It's me. I'm, in, I'm the embodiment of what that old ritual was. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But I just, that's here today and we're going to partake in that because of this thanksgiving that rises up in our hearts for who God is, for who, he's, who He has shown Himself to be 
throughout the pages of Scripture. Somebody that is faithful, that we can trust, who knows the end from the beginning. And He knows your life in ways that you can't even comprehend or imagine. So let's let Him speak to us now in response and preparation for receiving the elements of the Lord.